What is going on, Sleeper Nation? We're back with another episode. Today, we're going to be talking about the old guys. The guys that, you know, supposedly just can't teach a new trick. Sheehan, how are you, man? I'm good, man. I've packed up the uh, Sleeperwise soundproof booth, moved it across the Atlantic and recording at a decent hour. It's not one o'clock in the morning here. It's just after 8.30. I'm in sunny New Jersey. As far as I'm concerned, the jewel of the 50 states like there's a reason the sun rises over it uh and I, i'm ready to talk some football we've had some actual football yes it's preseason football but it's just good to have the good to have football back i'm excited i know i know I, and that's what i wanted to talk to you about for a little bit of course later on we're going to be talking about the old guys the value picks as i hear you crack a cold one right now i don't know if the microphone picked it up but i definitely did <laughs> uh, we're going to speak about some rookies and i know you're a patriots fan and me being an Niners fan we, we had some fun we got to see their rookies go out and of course the packers they saw jordan love bear saw justin fields and then you know so on and so forth the easton texans they saw a little bit and there was there was a lot to see and there was a lot of must watch football from a football standpoint i should say and uh, I-, I wanted to hear your thoughts. What happened? I'll tell you what this is, man. It's hope season. Like, we've had the off season. We've seen the names on the roster. Everyone's been picturing how it's going to come together. And we've seen the guys out on the field. We saw Tony James Jr. blow it up for the Saints. I know a man Hus from last episode. He was a big Tony James Jr. stan. We saw T-Law come out. We saw Zach Wilson. You're- oh, we're going to get to this shortly. As you said, Trey Lance lit it up. It's exciting. Like, it's exciting to be a fan of a team that all possibilities unless you're a texans fan are in front of you i mean while that's kind of true uh who was your favorite rookie quarterback did you did you happen to see them all out of the class or from the game on the weekend any rookie any rookie quarterback i don't know why i uh, i qualified it because the answer is the same i was really high on fields i wasn't one of these guys who thought he should be the 101 over lawrence but i was very high on fields and to see him come out and play the way he did I think it's, as we said, it's hope season. I think it's an exciting time to be a Bears fan. They've had such a litany of poor quarterback play. They've got such a good defense. I'm sure Allen Robinson is walking around with a full Nick Chubb because he's going to have someone who can get in the ball effectively. Uh, So he was my pick, although I should say the last snap that I saw of any games on the weekend was Lance's 80-yard throw to Sherfield, and I immediately thought of you going, he's just going to be so happy with that. I was. I was definitely a little ecstatic when I saw that. But then at the same time, I saw Jimmy Garoppolo kind of go down the field and march down a little bit. So I'm still on the Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be the starter train. And while he did have that 80-yard touchdown, he had like four sacks. I think he had a dropped interception. And one of them that probably would have been an interception if he was playing against a uh, full roster of starters instead of the, uh, the, the backups. First game in, it, it was definitely exciting, though. I'll tell you that. Watching uh, Mac was exciting yep watching uh, zach wilson to be honest he was my favorite rookie quarterback he looked like he was kind of dialed in and he he was nailing those throws that typically you know rookie quarterbacks don't do he was throwing some deep outs some crossers jordan love even did some deep posts you like to see stuff like that out of the rookies i'm staying in a house full of jets fans and we put the game on to watch uh watch the snoopy bowl but unfortunately we turned it on just after wilson left the game so i actually didn't get to see any of him I uh, was disappointed. He was the guy I was really looking forward to because I know we talked about there being a range of outcomes for all teams. There's a real range of outcomes for Wilson as well. 
And despite being a Patriots fan and very firmly fuck the Jets, you know, I've got a lot of Jets, uh, Jets family who have suffered for far too long that, you know, they give them a bit of hope now because uh, all things being equal, it's going to run out soon enough. But yeah, as I said, it's hope season. It is. It is hope season. So, of course, in this episode, we've got the preseason hype trains, wise words of wisdom, and then, of course, the old man's discount. Sheehan, lead us on. Awesome. So we've already talked a little bit about the preseason, but I'm going to call this segment All Aboard the Preseason Hype Train. So what we're going to do here, this is a bit like the old uh, David Letterman, Is This Anything? I'm going to give you some preseason storylines, some of the chatter that's been going around, and I want you to tell me, does it matter? So first up, Malcolm Brown got the start over Miles Gaskin for the Dolphins in their week one game against a team that is known as Stoppers. Does it matter? No. Uh, I'm not ready to say it matters. I, I think we all know that Malcolm Brown's going to get touchdown priority over Miles Gaskin. Yep. Uh, but I, I think if we see the second, potentially the third week, where we see Malcolm Brown on there a little bit more than Miles Gaskin, then we, we should start hitting that uh, little panic button. I think uh, there's a bit to like about Savon Ahmed. Oh, yes. Yeah. We liked him last year. He uh, performed when he came in. He had six for 40. Mm-hmm. And like you say what you like about preseason stats. I mean, Malcolm Brown went nine for eight. And we're saying this is going to be the, uh, the goal line guy. And Miles Gaskin, four for 19. It's, they're good numbers. Uh, Salvin Ahmed definitely looked pretty solid. I mean, of course, he was one of the last RBs out there against the third string team. M- maybe if he does better against the second string or maybe gets a couple touches against the first string, we can start looking at him and uh, considering him a massive threat to Miles Gaskin. Right now, I'm not too worried. What we did see last year with the Dolphins is they were prepared to ride the hot hand. And I think if someone does blow up in the preseason, this is a backfield to watch. So those of you who went in on Gaskin or didn't sell Gaskin potentially in Dynasty, I think this is a, a backfield battle to watch because as far as any competition in the league is open, I think this is as open a backfield as there is. This reminds me a couple of years ago of Philip Lindsay on the Broncos, where n- nobody really wanted to give Philip Lindsay the benefit of the doubt that he might be the starter. And then he just kind of blows up in preseason. And then all of a sudden, week one, uh, he- he's out there with the first, uh, the first team. And then he becomes the probably the biggest waiver wire priority out there since James Conner uh, against Le'Veon Bell. Yep, we saw James Robinson pretty similar in the preseason last year. And, you know, you can say the preseason yards against the third team. You've still got to get the yards. You've still got to work hard. You've got to remember, it might be a third-string offense against a, uh, a third-string defense, but the guys on your side of the ball aren't helping you out as much. It's not like he was running with the ones against the threes. If it was easy, everyone would blow up the preseason, and they don't. So when someone does perform, I think it's important. You know, I think it's important to, to take the chance on them. I mean, you're not cutting someone like, let's say, Naheem Hines to keep Savon Ahmed on your roster in Dynasty. You may as well pick up the guys when they have a big game and then drop them if they don't. It's not costing you anything. Don't go all in and, and spend your far, but you may as well churn through these guys in the hope of picking one up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And now if you haven't drafted in a redraft league and it is coming up, it's worth a flyer for somebody like Sullivan. It's not going to cost you much. It'll cost you almost nothing. Yep. And at that point, you can drop him with uh, almost no regrets. And we're talking open backfields and Philip Lindsay. Let's look at the Texans. They had... Scotty Phillips, 13 for 66 at 5.1 and a touch. Darius Jackson, 5 for 37, 7.4 a carry and a touchdown as well. This is another open competition as far as I'm concerned. I know they've got a lot of names back there. That is true. But these aren't, these aren't household names. They're not, but it's so difficult to judge. And we don't really expect the Texans to be winning 
a lot or any games to the point where they're running out the clock. True. It's so difficult to try to be invested in that offense, let alone that offensive line. I think that's fair enough. I think that's fair enough. But uh, if we're talking flyers, you could do worse. Definitely right there. So we'll talk another rookie running back here. Ramondre Stevenson, the Rhino, was the first Patriots running back to register a 100-yard rushing game in a preseason fixture since LeGarrett Blunt. Stevenson went 10 for 127 and two touchdowns on the ground. Did you see any of what the Rhino did? Oh, yeah, of course. So that highlight reel was everywhere, whether it was Instagram or Twitter. There was no way you could not see that little run of his, the little toss up to the sideline. But, I mean, again, it's, it's a Patriots backfield. You never know what's going to happen. So it's hard to sit there and go, oh, yeah, he's going to be the guy. Harris is going to be the guy. Sony Michelle is going to be the guy. We don't know. I think he's got as good a chance as any. I think he might end up being the number two behind Harris. Um, and he got a lot of comparisons to LeGarrette Blunt around draft season. I always thought it was a bit of a, a poor comparison because, like, Blunt was a pure thumper. Like, he was just bigger than guys and would run over them and, like, had that beautiful high motor where he'd just keep going a bit like beast mode. Stevenson's got moves. Like, he's a big guy, but he's been trimming down since he got to the FBS. Stevenson's got those micro movements that Matt Waldman talks about, where it's not necessarily about being able to juke a guy and reappearing three meters to his left. It's just making yourself difficult enough to tackle, patient enough, like Lev Bell did in his prime, that gets you the yards because you're not jumping around trying to make big plays. You just got to get past those one guys, and he's clearly a hard man to tackle. Mm-hmm. It's definitely going to be something to monitor. We have, of course, two more preseason games to worry about. I'm going to adopt a watch and wait approach. Totally agree. I'm not sure I'm putting a uh, a late round pick on him in redraft, but he's a guy that I think if you picked him up in, in Dynasty draft season, you're, you're pretty happy with. He might even be a guy to sell at this point in case someone's desperate. Oof, that's a tough one. I couldn't imagine somebody but taking that bait just yet. I don't think so either, but the world's full of idiots. Facts. So we've talked about him already. Trey Lance's first completion was an 80-yard touchdown against the Chiefs. Is it too soon to put him on uh, San Francisco QB Mount Rushmore? <laughs> um, you know, you got Joe Montana on there. You got Steve Young. You might even be able to find a way to put Alex Smith on there. Uh, you know, there's a fourth head ready to be taken. I thought he looked good. As he said, he had a couple of dropped interceptions. What was more interesting to me was uh, Trent Sherfield with the, the runaway play. He's been more of a red zone guy. It's nice to see him show someone a clean pair of heels. Uh-huh. I mean, of course, there was the Chiefs second against the Niners second. I don't want to read too much into it. Trey Lance also had a three throws that were dropped which could have been big plays his stat line doesn't look phenomenal other than his 80 yard touchdown but uh, there was definitely a lot to be excited about absolutely and it was a like it was a ballsy throw as well uh-huh he had brandon Ayuk absolutely wide open over the middle but for some reason he decided not to take it and just completely go for that deep shot actually speaking of ballsy throws this is a guy that um really impressed me in the bit i saw of him felipe franks from the atlanta falcons he was a udfa guy He's a, a dual threat quarterback, and his numbers didn't end up too good as a passer, but I thought he showed a lot in the running game. He had a big, long breakaway run for about 50 yards, but he threw a couple of balls that were dropped by his own receivers. He had a, like a cannon behind him, and he was l- absolutely laying him out over the middle. I think he's a guy to watch. I don't think he's going to displace Matt Ryan, but what I saw would have excited me as a Falcons fan, that if something was to happen to Ryan, we might see a, a guy come in who can... Um, who can show a bit more than like an A.J. McCarron. Oof. I mean, I feel like if A.J. McCarron is his ceiling, then he's in trouble. I'm hoping A.J. McCarron is his floor. 
Well, yeah, I think he's going to be better than AJ McCarron was the uh, was my contention there. Oh, there we go. All right, I got you. Alternatively, he could be like a, a Josh Johnson type who wins the uh, the XVP in the XFL or something like that. But I think he he could be a fun guy to watch in the preseason and a fun name to remember in uh, in years to come. We go, oh, remember Felipe Franks. I mean, despite his uh, amazing name. It'd be difficult, difficult to justify rostering somebody like him. I quite like him because uh, when I can't sleep, I try and find alliterative names of people, and he's a good one with the uh, the FF. Huh, that's a good one. Yeah, that that's how boring my life is. Right, the last one of these preseason hype trains, you can tell me if you're all on board this hype train or not. Drew Locke went five for seven for 151 yards and two touchdowns against the Vikings. This is another open competition. Is it his job to lose? Yeah, he he definitely played better than Teddy Bridgewater. Of course, there wasn't too much of a sample size with Drew Locke throwing seven passes, completing five for almost 200 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, But I'm skeptical that Teddy Bridgewater even has a chance to win this competition. Teddy came in and, and played as you would expect. He checked the ball down. He was conservative. He protected the ball. I think if I'm Vic Fangio in that team, I want to send Locke out there. I want to try and win games. If that isn't working, then put in Teddy and try not to lose him. But I did read that Bridgewater is going to get the start this week. But what if we already... You could say the same about Drew Locke, but the upside is there. We know where Teddy is. Why not swing for the fences with this kid? And if it isn't working, then bring in Teddy Bridgewater. It's going to be a hard division to win anyway. I don't think they're in contention to win it. So you may as well give the kid another full year. If it doesn't happen, you're going to be drafting early anyway. Yeah, but with Vic Fangio, he's had a handful of losing seasons in a row now. At some point, he's going to have to feel the hot seat and try to make a, you know, an effort to win some games. I don't know how he's going to do that, though. True. Totally agree. Totally agree with that. It's going to be one of these situations where you do have a guy coaching for his job, and that's never good for the team. No, no. He, that, that's when irrational decisions get made, and then it just ends up becoming a dumpster fire, which I kind of enjoy watching. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, sucked in Denver, as far as I'm concerned. Now, one question without notice for you here before we get onto your wise words of wisdom. Were there any receivers that caught your eye? A lot of people are going to be talking about, uh, his name eludes me on the Panthers, Terrence Marshall, there we go. Yep. But th- that play was all on PJ Walker, how he was able to escape the pocket, climb up, and then cut to the side and then find the open receiver. Realistically, Marshall, he was just kind of on the sideline hanging out there and he just happened to get the ball thrown right at him. There wasn't too much I was excited about, you know, uh, from the receiver wise. It's always hard with the receivers I find in preseason because the ball just gets thrown around so much. You don't get guys soaking up targets. One that did catch my eye was Demetric Felton from the Browns. When he got drafted, he got drafted as a hybrid running back wide receiver. He went to the senior bowl as a running back. I was always pretty confident he was probably going to play more receiver. And that's the way it bore out on the weekend is that he was playing in the slot. And I think there is a role there in Cleveland for a guy like him. I think we might see him get involved in the offense as the, uh, as the year progresses. Mm-hmm. And definitely somebody to look forward to, but uh, he's got a lot of names in front of him. Oh, for sure. I mean, you've got Odell there, you've got uh, Landry there, you've got Donovan Peoples-Jones, who I thought showed a bit last year, and, and he's certainly an athletic specimen. Yeah, a name to uh, a name to keep in the back of your mind, I think. Uh, if he's available in Dynasty, I think he's a guy worth stashing, but you know, you can cross it off the list this year for redraft. That's definitely something to look forward to. Now, something I always look forward to is Natter's wise words of wisdom does a crack addict without money ever say uh looks like i'm not smoking crack today <laughs> no he goes out and he finds a way are you guys gonna let a crack addict out hustle you 
No, you go out, find a way. <laughs> I love it. Give me that crack addict work ethic. Uh, you know what? I still don't have that crack work ethic. <laughs> hey, hey, what's the best thing about being a crack addict? I don't know. You tell me. Only three sleeps till Christmas. Only three sleeps till Christmas. No, sorry. Because keeps you awake. No, not bad. <laughs> yeah. Ah. 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 Yeah. No. Love it. Okay. No, it's a good one. <laughs> hey, excellent words of wisdom followed up by a fairly ordinary joke. It was a dad joke. It was a good one. You know, I'm not. I I don't have any kids. Me neither. I I, I didn't get handed that the dad joke book just yet <laughs> from the doctors after the baby was born. Yeah, it's it's gonna be a big day. I mind. Not not. <laughs> Not that I have kids, I'm expecting kids or anything like that, but, it, you know, it's always nice to get that joke book. When I was a kid, I thought that um, when you got to middle school, they gave you a dictionary with all the swear words in it, but it just turned out that you, you just picked them up as you went, and uh -huh. you know, I haven't stopped using them since. Well, t typically, the guy that's in, like, eighth grade is your dictionary for swear words. He just kind of calls you into the corner and just start teaching you the words. Yeah, absolutely. And we're going a little bit off piece here, but I, uh, I came up with my own when I was around that age, which was dick ass, which... It never really took off as much as, you know, some of the other ones that go around and, and become part of the common vernacular. But, you know, you're trying, you're experimenting a bit like, uh, you know, a bit like the preseason. It was the preseason of learning how to swear was throwing words together and see what came out. I'll have to start using that, you little dick ass. <laughs> Surely this doesn't make the edit. I hope it does. Yeah. Maybe I should start drinking more through these podcasts. Might get more interesting. Yeah, I'm, in, I'm entertained. <laughs> I'm definitely a little bit entertained out of this. Excellent. Well, we're talking dad jokes. It's got to be old man. So do you want to tee this one up for us? Alrighty. So an old man, an old man's discount. So trying to get the seniors discount. Let's try to, let's try to like plot a little guideline on how we're kind of going through our thoughts on how we're talking about an old man's discount. You know, somebody that's getting up there in age or, or assumed to be up there in age people are expecting him to decline in production and because of that his adp has significantly dropped for example i know sheehan he kind of he kind of wanted to highlight this one brandon cooks he's considered an old man's discount considering he's been it seems like he's been in the league forever and you know bad situation with the texans but i mean he's always had a thousand yard season and when you actually look it up he's only 27 years old he's actually a lot younger than uh, people think. And because of that, you could take advantage of the quote-unquote old man's discount. Yeah, he's the perfect candidate, I think, for the old man discount. As we said, it's not just potentially being old, and we're going to talk about some guys who are ostensibly old at 27. Cooks has just been around for a while, and he's played on some pretty good teams. He's What he is, really, is just a seasoned professional. He's now found himself in a less-than-advantageous situation for him. And, well, in fact, let me ask you, do you think there's a chance that He's not a Texan by the season's end. Yeah, a, a team that's kind of pushing for a Super Bowl run. And obviously uh, the Texans not assuming to make a Super Bowl run. So a team could easily quick poach him off of a team for a little bit of a draft pick. Uh, it would work both ways. I totally agree. And at the moment, he's currently the wide receiver 38. He's going 91st overall in PPR redraft. Now, the Texans we've already talked about are going to be throwing a lot this year. I'm not sure who else is going to be getting targets in this offense, aside from maybe another guy we might come across, David Johnson. Surely Cook sees at least 120 targets, which for me is good enough for at least 1,000 yards, even if he's not finding the end zone all that much. Yes, the only the, he, he might be getting 120 targets, but 
My worry is the quality of targets. Are they actually going to be accurate throws? Is he going to do anything with them? Uh, who's the quarterback? Uh, how exciting is it to own somebody on the Texans? There's a little bit of factors to it, but yeah, Brandon Cooks in the in the late eighth to early ninth round, I'll take that all day. You look at the guys he's played with. He's played with an aging Breeze, an aging Brady, and Jared Goff. And now all of those guys, well, two of those guys are very good quarterbacks. In fact, two of the best quarterbacks ever to play the game. When Cooks was playing with, these aren't guys pushing the ball down the field. Goff was very much playing within himself when Cooks was a Ram. And now he's got Tyrod Taylor, who is notoriously conservative with the ball, or potentially Davis Mills, who looks to be similar, I guess. So we've seen him be productive with short targets and make the most of, make the most of volume, make plays after the catch. So we don't, it's not even as though we're, we're hoping he has like a, a guy with a cannon who's going to air it out for him to run, up, run under. Mm-hmm. And now if we're talking about receptions and he gets 100 with 1,000 yards, that's, that's wide, elite wide receiver too. So even borderline wide receiver one status right there. All he needs is a handful of touchdowns to secure that stat line. Yeah, absolutely. And currently he's a wide receiver three, four. Yeah, I, I snag that up day, put him in my flex spot and uh, call it a good night. You know what I would call that? What'd you call it? An old man discount. Trying to get the seniors discount. You would be correct. You got one for me? I do. And he's another perceived old man going around the same time. Jarvis Landry. Oh, you stole mine. Well, in that case, do you want to tee us up on Jarvis then? No, 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 no. It's your pick. Your pick. You stole it. You take it. Jarvis Landry, another guy who feels like he's been around forever. He's not the sexiest player. Like, you have Jarvis Landry on your team and you're like, eh, it's Jarvis Landry. He's 28. He's going to be 29 by the time the season ends. So if that's old, then gee whiz, my life's almost over. But we've seen what he can do with volume. He's already had a thousand yard season with Cleveland. He's had nearly 1,000 yards uh, the previous season. Even last year, he missed a game and ended up with 72 catches, 840 yards, and three touchdowns. That is basically his worst season in the NFL. I think the only way is up for him. As this offense gets better, yes, it's a run-first offense, but with Odell out there distracting the defense, it's good work for Jarvis Landry to move the chains. And in a PPR league or a point-per-first-down league, this guy is going to be absolutely money. He's going to get 100 targets. You get 100 targets. There's going to be opportunity for catches. There's going to be opportunity for yards. Going to be opportunity for touchdowns. As far as I'm concerned, load up with him at, at wide receiver 40. You're not going to, you might not feel good about having him in your flex or, or as a starter, but in those bye weeks, he's going to be worth his weight in gold. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, now, I also wanted to, since we're talking about Jarvis Landry, we might as well talk about his sidekick on the opposite side, Odell Beckham, who's also 28 years old, same age, and he's going to be 29 at the end of the season. Basically an identical tune at Jarvis Landry. I mean, I don't want to call him an old man's discount because, I mean, there's a lot of hype between the name of Odell Beckham, but I mean, significantly his ADP has dropped to probably identical to Jarvis Landry. Would you agree? Let's have a look. Um, Odell is currently going 66th, which in my maths is the middle of the fifth round. Uh-huh. Landry is going 95th, which... Ooh, that's a significant difference. This is going to really test my math. I think is somewhere in the eighth round. Late eighth, potentially, depending on uh, how many players are in that league, assuming it's a 12-team league. I think Odell suffers from the what-have-you-done-for-me-lately discount. Uh-huh. And we've seen him be injured. We've seen him... I think a lot of people have been burnt by him now at the point where they just go, I'm not wanting this guy on my team. He had the reputation to be a diva, getting injured all the time. Uh, he likes people to shit on him. Fair enough. And I think that that put people off. But 
have a look. I'm not one to scout on highlights, but go back and look at, I can't remember if he got it in for a touchdown against the Cowboys, but he had this long end around play where he was just making these guys miss. Yeah. And we've seen him with an ailing Eli Manning pick up 77 catches for a thousand yards. His first year in Cleveland, 74 catches for a thousand yards. Last year, he was, it was the third highest yards per reception of his career, which as far as I'm concerned, that's, that's pretty good going. His catch rate was low, but as Baker gets better, as he gets more involved in the offense, I think it's good news for Beckham. And he's a guy, he's a guy as well. We talked about Brandon Cooks. This guy can score from anywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're going to have to deal with potentially injury. But for me, he's going late enough that you can take the chance and have him on your bench. Or at least you're not paying that top-end capital for a guy who might get injured. But the ceiling, as far as I'm concerned, is still a top 10 receiver in what should be a pretty good offense. You would think so. But I mean, we don't know how he's going to come back with his ACL injury. Uh, Is he even healthy? Is he good? Is he playing? Is he even off the PUP list? I have to look that up. I have answers to none of those questions for you. You go over your guy. I will look that up real fast. I will. What I was going to say about Odell, though, is even if he's lost some of his explosiveness out of his ACL... His weapon, as much as making people miss, is his hands. And if he becomes a possession guy without those shake-and-bake moves, it's probably not great for Landry because two guys filling that same role. But to me, he's a guy who can win on the inside and, and become like a long-term slot receiver um, because he's going to be a reliable guy who is still going to command respect from uh, defensive coordinators. Let me, uh, let me find a guy to talk about here. Well, Melvin Gordon. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's got an old man discount so much as an unsexy discount or potentially shared backfield discount. I know he's struggling with a groin injury at the moment, but he's been hyper-productive wherever he's been. Aside from, I think it was his rookie season, he didn't get a touchdown. Ooh. Yeah. That's a good question. I am not 100% sure. But since I'm answering questions, uh, Odell Beckham passed his physical and uh, is not on the PUP list as of right now. That's good news. There we go. That's good news indeed. He would probably prefer to be on the, the poo-you-poo list. Wow. So it's a fun toilet joke for all of you out there. There you go. I like it. There you go. Nice job. Hey, you know what? I'll have to give you an air fire for that one later. <laughs> That's usually your wheelhouse, so I'm, I'm glad that I commanded your respect there. So Melvin Gordon, we talked about Vic Fangio wanting to keep his job. I feel like Melvin Gordon's the sort of guy who's going to be able to keep him. Protects the ball. In the red zone, give him the ball. He's going to punch it in. He's only passed 1,000 yards once in his season. That surprised me. Um, he's certainly, he's passed it a few times in yards from scrimmage, but in terms of pure rushing yards, but he's got seasons of 10, 8, 10, 8, and 9 touchdowns. This is, this is a guy who is going to get it done for you. And if you're not playing PPR or like we talked about last week in zero, zero RB, I think he's a guy that uh, is pretty interesting to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the issue with him is the fear of Javante Williams, who against the Vikings had five attempts for 29 yards. A little, uh, you know, a little respectable 5.8 per carry. I'm still in on the Melvin Gordon train. I think it is his job to lose just like it is Drew Locke's job to lose. I would much rather have Melvin Gordon than Javante Williams. But of course, that's just me, in my opinion, which I'm typically right 90% of the time, but still. That's, uh, that's where I am going to have to go with that draft pick. If they weren't going so similar, and Williams is actually going ahead of Gordon, which is why I have him as the old man discount, because I think it is, as you said, Gordon's backfield to lose. If they were going a little bit further apart, I'd be inclined to basically draft that backfield, because I think there is going to be value there, whether that's 
Teddy Bridgewater or Drew Locke under centre. One way or the other, they are either going to be passing a lot, which is good news, or salting away the clock, which is also good news. And I think Melvin Gordon is, is still an effective running back in this league. I also think he's a guy that if Williams balls out, he could be looking for a new home. Mm-hmm. And that's good news. That's potentially good news in Dynasty as well, because yes, he's going to be 28, I think, next year. 29, in fact, which is obviously old for a running back. You know, who's, who's to say? There's, there's always a market for a reliable running back. And I think Melvin Gordon's just that. Uh, the only thing I don't want to see is it being a 50-50 timeshare at that running back spot. I want it to be 60-40, 70-30. I want a clear winner in that backfield, just so I'm not kind of starting Melvin Gordon or Javante in my flex spot, hoping for the best. You know, I kind of want to know, like, oh, is he the starter or is he the handcuff? And then I'd want to see Gordon get uh, the bulk of first and second down and red zone work and Williams basically be a pass catcher for me to feel confident starting. Which would make me very happy. Yeah, absolutely. Who have you got? Oldest current active player, sorry, Larry Fitzgerald. Antonio Brown is 33 years old and uh, is currently the oldest wide receiver. Like I just said, the second oldest, I think, might be Julio Jones at uh, 32 years old. So, I mean, we got, we got a couple old guys up there. Uh, unfortunately, Julio Jones is not necessarily a value pick going, I think, in the, uh, the, the fourth round. So it's difficult to justify that as an old man's pick. But Antonio Brown can definitely be justified as an old man's pick, considering he's going, I believe, in the late eighth round. Can you uh, fact check me there? He's the the wide receiver forty four. Uh huh. Currently going one oh eight, which Ooh. yeah, that'd be the ninth round, almost spot on the nine ten turn. Trying to get the seniors discount. Talking about old man value, I think uh, he he's right up on there. I think so, and yes, it's a stacked offense, but you got to remember he's Mister Brady's guest. So like he and Brady clearly have a connection. Brady wanted him in New England, and he got him. Brady wanted him in Tampa Bay, and he got him. They clearly what makes them both great is that phenomenal work ethic they are just wired differently they are hashtag built different and i think that's why they're connected yes he's an absolute head case off the field yes he's a total loose cannon but it wouldn't well let me ask you this would it surprise you if he led tampa bay in targets or catches or touchdowns this year um it would definitely surprise me to see him leading in touchdowns that's going to be mike evans forte yep i wouldn't be surprised if it was uh catches yep uh I could give Godwin the targets one, but uh, I would definitely not be surprised if uh, Antonio Brown has the catches record. Or not the record, but the leading. And what's his ceiling, you reckon, this year? Wide receiver two? Yeah, a solid wide receiver two is a, would be a phenomenal ceiling for somebody you're drafting in the in the ninth round. If you can get five catches, 60 yards, nah, as a floor, yep. I think you're doing all right. Yeah, I think so. And we know, like, we know Arians loves him. Uh huh. He's going to be hungry if he can keep his nose clean. And I think living with Tom Brady is, is helping him there. We're not going to see Antonio Brown, but we're going to see late career Larry Fitzgerald, I think. Mm-hmm. And he's going to have as many touchdowns as he kisses Tom Brady on the lips. That's going to be a fact. I think so. I think so. I think they, they do kissing practice like it's a, uh, a copy of the Babysitter's Club. Unfortunately, I've never seen that movie. Uh, they are a series of books. Oh, okay. Well, I don't read either, so you got to double weigh me on there. <laughs> There's one called, uh, like, Stacy's Big Secret or something like that. And it turns out that her big secret is that she has diabetes. Now, perhaps uh, AB's big secret is going to be, I don't know, that he's somehow frozen his feet again, or he's been arrested for, I don't know, stealing the dolphin from Miami on the day of the Super Bowl. Who knows? The guy's a weirdo, but he can play the game. And that's what this is all about. 
Apparently, that's all that matters anymore. Yeah, exactly. I mean, how bad is it really? Yeah, like it's pretty bad. He's pretty bad. He's proved to be a bit of a dick. Yeah, but you know, he catches the football pretty well. So I mean, all things considered, not that bad. True. Another uh, another old man with a let's say a sketchy past, and I might be the other side of the Atlantic, but I got to talk about Big Ben. That's fair. And he's he's currently the QB twenty seven, which is basically undrafted in one quarterback leagues. It's close to undrafted in two quarterback leagues. And as far as I'm concerned, he should be your target to be your QB three in Superflex leagues. He has got if you believe in the Steelers offense, if you believe in Mapletron, in Juju, in Deontay Johnson, in Najee Harris, you have to believe in Big Ben Roethlisberger. Yes, last year he was Big Breeze, as we've talked about before. That's what Greg Rosenthal coined him. And I think that was fair. Down the stretch, he just had to pass too many times. We know this is going to be a pass-first offense. Now he's got someone to spell his shoulder. He's a year removed from his horrible elbow injury. He's looking thinner than ever. I think this is the, the Big Ben revenge tour. He wants to go out a winner. He came in a winner. He wants to go out a winner. Say what you like about the guy. I think there's phenomenal value for the QB27 here. Uh, I mean, QB27 for somebody that you know is going to throw over 500 to even 600 passes throughout the year? What's not to like? So the wheels absolutely fell off last year. And I'm just going to get his, um, his numbers up because I was looking at them for an article a while back and I was like, wow, he's two years removed from throwing for 5,000 yards. Yes, he was big breeze last year, but he still nearly hit 4,000 yards uh, and he missed a game. So had he played that, he would have, would have hit 4,000 yards. He threw 33 touchdowns, which is the second highest mark of his career. And he threw 10 picks, which is, which is pretty good as far as I'm concerned. Like he protects the ball, he gets it out quickly, and he's got three wide receivers around him who are all being drafted as wide receiver two threes at the moment. And there are people out there hoping for the Juju resurgence or Chase Claypool to absolutely blow the doors off. Someone's got to get in the ball, and it's going to be Ben Roethlisberger. I don't care how good Dwayne Haskins looked in the preseason. It's Big Ben, and he should be on your roster. Ben Roethlisberger set a record, I think it was, for how fast he calls snap hike, throws the ball uh, from the pocket, which is one of the, the, the biggest, I guess, progressions throughout his career, considering he used to hold the ball for the longest in the pocket, and now, of course, he holds it the least. It, it's going to be a quick snap throw offense, and that's how it was last year until I think either defense has caught on or they failed to innovate and just got a little hard-headed. Of course, they were unable to run the ball last year. And I think this year they will, which will definitely open up play action shots over the top with Chase Claypool, who hopefully isn't too injured. I heard he came down awkwardly at the end of practice, and apparently it wasn't too serious. But I mean, how many times have we heard that before? Uh, but Ben Roethlisberger, like we mentioned earlier, is going to be a, a phenomenal late round pick. Well, let's say if that was Keenan Allen, I'd be concerned about Justin Herbert. But this is a guy with, as we've talked about, potentially three wide receiver twos. So. Obviously, Chase Claypool is their big weapon in that offense, their big player, their splash guy. He's still going to have Deontay Johnson, still going to have Juju, like Odell, like Jarvis Landry. They make their hay in the slot. They make their hay close to the line of scrimmage within that 10 yards and then make the play once they have the ball in their hands. That's going to be good news for Ben Roethlisberger. 
and he's you know he's 39 he's he's no spring chicken and the, i would think this is going to be his last season he's going to want to go out on top as far as i'm concerned and angry ben roethlisberger is a scary thing if you're an nfl player or a uh, you know what i won't even finish that sentence you can write your own punchline there so keenan allen you mentioned him just a quick moment ago it's hard to say he is a value or a late round value or, I mean, he's definitely not a late round value, but or an old man value, I should say, considering he's going a whole lot earlier this year than in the past coming years. I mean, of course, with the resurgence of Justin Herbert, uh, the sky's kind of the limit for Keenan Allen now. And he is, unfortunately, he's a little bit older. He's 29 years old, turning tw- uh, 30, which is up there in age. But, uh, I mean, I, you know, I just kind of wanted to shout him out real fast for, uh, you know, just having that little nice resurgence in his career. Yeah, he's... Um... He's always been a, a fairly solid performer, hasn't he? So it's it's good to see um, him finally with a quarterback who is, well, I say finally, he was with Philip Rivers for a long time, but hopefully this is a nice little twilight for him. Yeah, I want to see 1,500 yards this year for Keenan Allen. That's what I want from him. Me too. I love watching him play. I just want to see him stay fit. But if we're talking about Justin Herbert and the Chargers and old man discounts, you can't go past Jared Cook. He's nearly, well, he's, he's 34. He's going to be 34 when the season finishes anyway. He's reunited. Well, I say reunited. He's come across uh, to the Chargers with Joe Lombardi. He left New Orleans with him, followed him across. In the last two years, he has been out-snapped uh, as the pure tight end. But when he's been on the field, no tight end has been targeted more frequently than Jared Cook, based on the number of snaps he's had. Jared Cook is like Jarvis Landry, you know? He's, he's good, Yep. productive, consistent. You just don't like him. It's just, you know, you're not comfortable with it. It's not nice. Well, in the world of you're looking for touchdowns, if you don't have one of those elite tight end guys in a deeper league or a two tight end league, tight end premium league, the last two years, he's had 65 and 60 targets. So as I said, low snap percentage doesn't start most weeks, but he's pulled in 705 yards for nine touchdowns, 500 yards for seven touchdowns. As far as I'm concerned, he's out there to catch the ball in the end zone. He's going to get those opportunities. He's going to move the chains on critical downs. And I still think the race to be the Chargers' number two pass catcher, well, it's probably number three because I think Eckler's the number two. I think that race is wide open, whether it's Mike Williams, whether it's Josh Palmer. I think Jared Cook might be second in their touch, receiving touchdowns this year, if not first. Ooh, uh, I'm hoping Keenan Allen is first on that list. I want Keenan Allen with about 10 touchdowns. He had eight last year. I want to see 10 touchdowns on Keenan Allen's list this year. And, uh, you know, I want to see about eight or nine with Jared Cook. Yeah. Does that sound fair? I think that's about right. Now, we should, we should also mention Tom Brady, considering he is the oldest uh, NFL player currently active. Uh, he's definitely not an old man's discount, considering uh, he's probably having one of his higher ADPs in the last few years. But, I mean, I, f- I feel like if we're talking about old men, we might as well mention him. you got to be. He's, he's the gray-haired wizard just about. He, he really is going very early, or at least as early as he has for all. He's the QB9 at the moment. And with those weapons around him, who could blame him? I almost think he's at the stage where it's like a Looney Tunes cartoon where the cliff falls away and somehow Wiley Coyote is still running out there and he doesn't know that he's fallen off the cliff. And there's going to be a time where he holds up the sign that says gulp or oops or ouch and fall straight down. But I think he's still running. I think he's, I think he's still out there. I think he wants to keep winning. He's said multiple times he's going to play till he sucks. And I think we, he showed last year he's a long way from sucking. He's got the supporting cast around him. Um, I personally think 
he's overvalued as the QB9. But in saying that, you know he's going to perform. Yeah, you know, uh, he's going to have 300 yards and a couple passing touchdowns. You know, we're all a little curious on what Rojo and Fournette's going to do. I don't think it's going to be that much. He's, he's chasing records. And if you're chasing records, you're going to be throwing touchdowns. Absolutely. And in six-point passing touchdown leagues, uh, leagues that punish sacks, leagues that punish interceptions, he's a guy you want because he doesn't take sacks. He gets the ball out quickly. He doesn't normally throw picks. And, you know, that, that rushing upside that you get or the rushing advantage you get is negated by the fact it's six-point touchdowns. So I love Brady. He's one of my absolute favorites all time. He's given me a lot of joy over the years. He won't be on too many of my rosters this year, uh, but I think you could certainly do much worse. And considering Trevor Lawrence is going the pick after him in ADP, give me Brady all day. Yeah, I, I think Trevor Lawrence is, is purely a hype pick right now. And, uh, you, know, I, you know, I'll be honest. I watched this preseason game. Other than his one super acrobatic throw where he kind of hit the tight end on the, on, on the run when he was breaking out of the pocket, I, I wasn't too impressed. I'll be honest. He'll find his feet. He's had a, a disrupted offseason. They've been pretty careful to protect him. And I think, um, I think we're going to see him. I think he's going to throw a lot of picks this year, but we're going to see some wow plays from Big Trev. Mm-hmm. And now the unfortunate part of that offense is that Tim Tebow currently is not there anymore, which, uh, which is pretty sad. Yeah, clearly he got knocked out of the QB competition by, uh, by Lawrence and, uh, and Minshew. So... RIP Tim Tebow as a tight end. I think we'll see him back with the Jags as an offensive quality control guy or like a, oh, who's that Rasputin bloke from the Texans that runs everything, the priest? Uh, you know, unfortunately, I don't know. We're fortunately. <laughs> uh, not Nick Casario, the other guy, you all know who I'm talking about, that he'll be in the building as one of those sort of culture guys. Urban Meyer clearly loves him for whatever reason. Uh, and I think he'd be a, a, a good guy to have around for the Jags. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately for the fans, I think that's the real unfortunate part, considering I think he was the third highest selling jersey for the Jaguars. Now, a lot of people kind of bought that jersey for absolutely no reason. I think they bought it for the memes, and uh, I'm not going to knock anyone who did that. Uh, that's fair. You know, when you do it for the memes, then your memes turn into dreams. All righty. So do you have a last player, or have we knocked everybody out? I'll give you a couple of speed rounders here. Okay. Tyler Lockett, I think, is an old man discount at wide receiver 22. Okay. I think he's probably going to finish a little bit higher than that, not extremely higher than that. He's 28. I still think we've got, obviously, DK, who is the, uh, the new hotness, the big play threat. Wouldn't surprise me to see Tyler Lockett leading catches in PPR leagues. That is absolute gold. Currently, the wide receiver 22, as I said, I think that's excellent value for him. Uh, let me scroll through my list here. Uh, Zach Ertz is still kicking around. I think he finds a home somewhere else. But even in Philly, I think he's going to build a nice rapport with Jalen Hurts. And there could be a nice Hurts to Ertz combination. I'm sure that Reese and the other commentators in Philly will be super happy with that. I think he's got something to show. It's clear Belichick still wants him if you, you saw his interactions on Twitter this week. I think he ends up in Buffalo, as we've said. But if not, he's still around. Latavius Murray still making waves in New Orleans. I suspect they're going to be running the ball quite a bit this year. At RB49, he's a good zero RB guy to watch on your waivers, maybe a cheap guy to pick up uh, in case Kamara misses time. We've talked about Big Ben. 
I think that might be the last of my uh, that might be the last of my old man discounts unless you can somehow inspire someone in my mind. No, it's tough. There's a lot of older gentlemen that are currently in the NFL, but still significant amount of value. For example, Julio Jones, such as him, Cooper Cup, uh, Robert Woods. They're both also heading into their 30s. But when their ADP is the fourth round, it is very difficult to consider them an old man's discount. Yeah, I'd have a Murray Cooper in that league as well, and probably Adam Thielen, that they're just a little bit too high uh, to really be a discount. I still like both of them. Thielen particularly could end up that number one receiver in Minnesota. But if I'm totally honest, I'm kind of out on Minnesota's offense until Kirk Cousins gets his shit together. Because, like, what happens if he misses time? And that offense is suddenly it's Kellen Mond or whoever it is running it. And you've got these two Rolls-Royce assets and no one can get them the ball. becomes Dalvin Cook's show. I just want to stay the hell away. I think both he and Jefferson, just a little bit rich for my blood at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I definitely don't blame somebody for trying to stay away of an anti-vaxxer. In that case, you might as well stay away from Lamar Jackson as well, as far as I know. And, uh, you know, the Batemans and, uh, of course, Mark Andrews. Yeah, I'm not going to ping anyone for for staying away from uh, from anti-vax guys, even if it's not just a a moral stance that it is, well, we don't want a guy who's liable to miss time. And I think that's fair, certainly in those early rounds where you are having to, to pick uh, Lamar anti-vaxxin or Mark Andrews or these sorts of guys. Kirk Cousins obviously going a little bit later. I don't know what the, if you like, the concernometer, what figure that would be at, but it's enough to give me pause. Especially because these are all super early picks. You know, these guys are going to be staples of your fantasy team. It's very difficult and unfortunate when your staple is out, especially for a couple of weeks. Uh, you know, that's always unfortunate. It's always frustrating. You know, last year I was at a point where I had, you know, Christian McCaffrey out. I had uh, Kenny Galladay out. I had Aaron Jones out. And, uh, you know, th- those are my first three picks. And when that happens, you know, you're kind of scraping at the barrel, frustrated. And all that good stuff. Well, the other thing about COVID as well, and Cam Newton talked about this because obviously he missed a game with COVID last year or a couple of games with COVID, is the long-term effects, the fatigue. He talked about the brain fuzz. And what you don't want from a quarterback is someone who's not thinking clearly or who's having to process stuff slower than he would normally. So, you know, Cousins or Jackson or whoever is out there, you know, relatively quickly or relatively shortly after their, um, their enforced layoff, who's to say whether they're back to their best? when they're doing that. And as I say, it's just enough to give me pause. This is not a go and get vaccinated soapbox moment. It's we're talking purely fantasy here. So for me, that is to have me considering other options. And early in the draft, there are plenty of other options. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not like Kyler Murray is right there waiting for you to pick him. It's not like, you know, uh, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes isn't right there for you to take him. Uh, Yeah, there's options to the point where like you said, you can't say pause, reevaluate. Is it really worth it? Or is he better than everybody? And uh, are you willing to risk that capital? Yeah, that's exactly it. And if you're playing to win, these are the thoughts you got to have. Yeah, you know, you don't want to lose $75 of your buy-in or the whole prize pool because uh, somebody just happened to get COVID. That's always a little bit frustrating. Exactly. You know, losing bragging rights over that, it's uh, that's an F in the chat moment. Yep, yep. I'm totally with you, man. All right wrap up this episode of course if you want to find the show find me on twitter i will be top tier tactics underscore make sure to check out the sleeper wire show on twitter of course you want to support the patreon or of course we are a charity 
podcast. So being able to support the, uh, the Patreon and the show that way would definitely be one of the best ways to do. Sheehan, where can everybody find you? As always, I am at Sheehan Solo. That's at S-H-E-A-H-A-N-S-O-L-O. Come and give me a follow, give me a like, say hi, all of that good stuff. Um, if you're not hearing me here or if you, you aren't sick of me yet, I do host The Great Debate. We've got a lot of good quality content coming out on Sleeperwire, written content coming out. We have Dynasty Wires back. We're going to have Mail Sack back. There is going to be so much content coming out this season from the Sleeperwire crew, from me, from Nata, from uh, Nick, everyone. Get around us. Chuck in a buck. We're going to be relaunching some of our Patreon tiers. So if you want to be part of that, and well, I don't want to give you too much of a, a peek behind the curtain, a little bit of inside baseball. You want to make yourself some money this year, like us on Patreon because it's going to be an investment. Mm-hmm, exactly. Now, of course, other than that, good luck, everybody. Take it easy.